a journal of the plague year, being observations or memorials of the most remarkable occurrences, as well public as private, which happened in London during the last great visitation in 1665, written by a citizen who continued all the while in London, never made public before. Episode 34 Here at the end we find a bit of literary license, for the abatement of the plague is depicted by Defoe as a swift and decisive stroke from heaven, quote, the immediate finger of God, unquote. Suddenly the plague abates, and one week on a day, a Thursday, that is distinguished with such specificity that it's almost like re-entering historical time after the nightmare plague, the bills of mortality show a precipitous drop in deaths from the disease. Physicians marvel that their sick patients appear to be recovering. Strangers greet each other in the streets with expressions of amazement and gratitude to God, and the city rejoices. Defoe would like to end his account on a positive note, so he brings it to a close without going into the unpleasing work, as he puts it, of detailing the return to vice and immorality of the city its lack of thankfulness for the reprieve that has been granted them. He's clearly made of the plague a morality tale, but here, as throughout the work, he chooses only to report on what he has seen and allow readers to draw their own conclusions from the account. So this ends the reading of A Journal of the Plague Year. While it's been a long and harrowing journey, if you've come this far, you've clearly formed some impressions of the work as a whole and, possibly, its relationship to the concerns of our time. In that spirit, I've appended a postscript representing some of my own thoughts. If you're interested, I invite you to stay tuned for one more episode. And thank you very much for your time and attention these past few months. I would be glad if I could close the account of this melancholy year with some particular examples historically. I mean of the thankfulness to God, our preserver, for our being delivered from this dreadful calamity. Certainly the circumstance of the deliverance, as well as the terrible enemy we were delivered from, called upon the whole nation for it. The circumstances of the deliverance were indeed very remarkable, as I have in part mentioned already and particularly the dreadful condition which we were all in when we were, to the surprise of the whole town, made joyful with the hope of a stop of the infection. Nothing but the immediate finger of God, nothing but omnipotent power, could have done it. The contagion despised all medicine. Death raged in every corner, and had it gone on as it did then, a few weeks more would have cleared the town of all and everything that had a soul. Men everywhere began to despair. Every heart failed them for fear. People were made desperate through the anguish of their souls, and the terrors of death sat in the very faces and countenances of the people. In that very moment when we might very well say, Vain was the help of man, I say, In that very moment it pleased God, with the most agreeable surprise, to cause the fury of it to abate, even of itself, and the malignity declining, as I have said, 
though infinite numbers were sick, yet fewer died, and the very first week's bill decreased 1,843, a vast number indeed. It is impossible to express the change that appeared in the countenances of the people that Thursday morning when the weekly bill came out. It might have been perceived in their countenances that a secret surprise and a smile of joy sat on everybody's face. They shook one another by the hands in the streets, who would hardly go on the same side of the way with one another before. Where the streets were not too broad, they would open their windows and call from one house to another and ask how they did and if they had heard the good news that the plague was abated. Some would return when they said good news and ask, What good news? And when they answered that the plague was abated and the bills decreased almost 2,000, they would cry out, God be praised, and would weep aloud for joy, telling them that they had heard nothing of it. And such was the joy of the people that it was, as it were, life to them from the grave. I could almost set down as many extravagant things done in the excesses of their joy as of their grief, but that would be to lessen the value of it. I must confess to myself to have been very much dejected just before this happened, for the prodigious numbers that were taken sick the week or two before, besides those that died, was such, and the lamentations were so great everywhere, that a man must have seemed to have acted even against his reason if he had so much as expected to escape. And as there was hardly a house but mine in all the neighborhood but was infected, so had it gone on it would not have been long that there would have been any more neighbors to be infected. Indeed, it is hardly credible what dreadful havoc the last three weeks had made, for if I might believe the person whose calculations I always found very well grounded, there were not less than 30,000 people dead and near 100,000 fallen sick in the three weeks I speak of, for the number that sickened was surprising, indeed it was astonishing, and those whose courage upheld them all the time before sank under it now. In the middle of their distress, when the condition of the city of London was so truly calamitous, just then it pleased God, as it were by his immediate hand, to disarm this enemy. The poison was taken out of the sting. It was wonderful. Even the physicians themselves were surprised at it. Wherever they visited, they found their patients better. Either they had sweated kindly, or the tumors were broke, or the carbuncles went down and the inflammations round them changed color, or the fever was gone, or the violent headache was assuaged, or some good symptom was in the case, so that in a few days everybody was recovering. Whole families that were infected and down, that had ministers praying with them and expected death every hour, were revived and healed, and none died at all out of them. Nor was this by any new medicine found out, or new method of cure discovered, or by any experience in the operation which the physicians or surgeons attained to, but it was evidently from the secret invisible hand of him that had at first sent this disease as a judgment upon us. And let the atheistic part of mankind call my saying what they please, it is no enthusiasm. It was acknowledged at that time by all mankind. The disease was enervated and its malignity spent, and let it proceed from whencesoever it will, let the philosophers search for reasons in nature to account for it by, and labor as much as they will to lessen the debt they owe to their maker. Those physicians who had the least share of religion in them were obliged to acknowledge that it was all supernatural, that it was extraordinary, 
and that no account could be given of it. If I should say that this is a visible summons to us all to thankfulness, especially we that were under the terror of its increase, perhaps it may be thought by some, after the sense of the thing was over, an officious canting of religious things, preaching a sermon instead of writing a history, making myself a teacher instead of giving my observations of things. And this restrains me very much from going on here, as I might otherwise do. But if ten lepers were healed, and but one returned to give thanks, I desire to be as that one, and to be thankful for myself. Nor will I deny, but there were abundance of people who, to all appearance, were very thankful at that time, for their mouths were stopped, even the mouths of those whose hearts were not extraordinary long affected with it. But the impression was so strong at that time that it could not be resisted, no, not by the worst of the people. It was a common thing to meet people in the street that were strangers, and that we knew nothing of at all, expressing their surprise. Going one day through Aldgate, and a pretty many people being passing and repassing, there comes a man out of the end of the minories, and looking a little up the street and down, he throws his hands abroad. Lord, what an alteration is here! Why, last week I came along here, and hardly anybody was to be seen. Another man, I heard him, adds to his words, "'Tis all wonderful. Tis all a dream. "'Blessed be God,' says a third man, "'and let us give thanks to him, "'for tis all his own doing. "'Human help and human skill was at an end.'" These were all strangers to one another, but such salutations as these were frequent in the street every day, and in spite of a loose behavior, the very common people went along the streets giving God thanks for their deliverance. It was now, as I said before, the people had cast off all apprehensions, and that too fast. Indeed, we were no more afraid now to pass by a man with a white cap upon his head, or with a cloth wrapped round his neck, or with leg limping, occasioned by the sores in his groin, all of which were frightful to the last degree but the week before. But now the street was full of them, and these poor recovering creatures, giving them their due, appeared very sensible of their unexpected deliverance, and I should wrong them very much if I should not acknowledge that I believe many of them were really thankful. But I must own that, for the generality of the people, it might too justly be said of them, as was said of the children of Israel after their being delivered from the host of Pharaoh, when they passed the Red Sea and looked back and saw the Egyptians overwhelmed in the water, that is, that they sang his praise, but they soon forgot his works. I can go no further here. I should be counted censorious, and perhaps unjust, if I should enter into the unpleasing work of reflecting, whatever cause there was for it, upon the unthankfulness and return of all manner of wickedness among us, which I was so much an eyewitness of myself. I shall conclude the account of this calamitous year, therefore, with a coarse but sincere stanza of my own, which I placed at the end of my ordinary memorandums the same year as they were written. A dreadful plague in London was, in the year 65, which swept a hundred thousand souls away, yet I, alive, <laughs>